0: Hello, welcome to the Stubborn Tortoise Podcast. I'm Donna Pazdera. Um, I've been putting this one off for quite a while, um, just because it's this one's pretty heavy. I mean, I've, I've given you guys some heavy episodes in the past, and uh, this is probably the heaviest of all, I think. Um, but I don't know, I just sort of felt like maybe it's time just to I don't want to say come clean. It's not like I've been hiding anything, but um, I do feel like maybe people, you know, should know this other part of my story and um, understand, you know, some of you know my backstory. I guess. And uh, anyway, sorry. And I've got allergies from hell again. I know it's just like an unending. <laughs> what do you want to call it? Um, battle or something? Holy God. Um, yeah and then also just as a little aside before I get into this thing um yeah San Antonio it's like I don't know what happened we've become like the hottest city in Texas this week because I mean we're even hotter than the valley which is almost never possible <laughs> but uh it's in the hundreds every single day I mean we don't get this kind of stuff until August um and last year we didn't even break a hundred. I don't think maybe except for one day or something, but, um, as I told someone else earlier, I said, you know, I wouldn't, I mean, I could probably handle, you know, these horrible hundred degree months or whatever, cause this has been going on since about mid may. So it's, this isn't like something new. Um, but if we could just stop with the freezing cold winter, uh, stuff, you know, it's like, okay. We live in the South. It should be warm in the winter, you know, and not these stupid, you know, fronts that keep. Well, this past year, it was just, this was weird. I mean, I know this is climate change, um, but yeah, (laughs) excuse me. Um, This past year, I mean, this past winter, I mean, we were okay up until about the beginning of January. And then for like about three months, it was just sort of like front after front after front after front. And it was just like this barrage of, you know, horrendous weather and you can never just kind of recover from it so um and so now we're in the throes of this uh for lord knows how many weeks and uh kind of making it a little hard to get out and run also the wind i don't know there's something and it's been an especially windy year um just in general um so i don't know again this might be part of climate change um yeah. So just kind of like, oh my gosh, this is going to be a tough summer. And I mean, again, I love summer just for the long days and the warmth and all that, but even this is just a little too much for me. But anyway, so um, let's get into it. Um, I've talked before about having depression and um, that's not something I'm embarrassed you know, to admit it runs in my family, at least on my dad's side. And um, I um, started taking an antidepressant, probably in the late nineties. I know, um, just because I was really struggling after a breakup, and I just, you know, it was just like my feelings. And this, this kind of started, I think, when I was an, a teenager. Um, I don't know if it was again if that was a hormonal thing or something, but I just remember, you know, feeling this this cloak of gray just covering all of my emotions at times, and uh, that's kind of what depression is like for me. Um, you know, and there's very little you can, you know, do about it. I mean, I, I've had anxiety off and on over the years, but that doesn't seem to be as bad as the depression. And so I finally decided to start taking a medication, um, you know, late nineties, um, it was around the time that my mom was sick and and dying. So I felt like, well, this might be a good idea. And here's the thing about, um, antidepressants, I know some people are like, well, there's natural ways to cure it. And I tried, believe me, I did, but, um, and I fought this for a long time, but I was just like, well, you know, I think this just might be, you know, what, you know, what I'm stuck with, you know? And so anyway, I, um, was taking this, uh, drug called Zoloft, um, and it, you know, it was good. It treated me pretty well. Um, but I mean, I was on it for a few years and I was just like, geez, maybe I should like try to get off of this. And so, um, and I followed the instructions from my doctor and, and, you know, tapered off of it. And then I just kind of, it was like, I, you know, somebody like jumped from like, you know, sixth floor balcony onto the cement or the pavement. I mean, you know, it was just like splat. Um, yeah. And so I, you know, didn't feel so good. And I was just like, you know, I think I need to, uh, you know, go back on this and you know maybe we'll revisit this (laughs) at another time um i don't know fast forward i don't know it's probably like 2002 and i was in grad school and um uh you know university of florida and um decided to try tapering again you know and and again i when when you taper off of these drugs you know you don't just go cold turkey or something because that really can mess you up so i mean i just did it you know like you know, you, you, might, you know, just take like a portion of the pill or, you know, every, you know, so often and, you know, and then eventually you're just completely off of it. And so I got to that, um, where I was completely off of it, but, oh man, I was just feeling terrible. And I, uh, in fact I wasn't much of a runner back then, but I did try to run cause it kind of helped a little bit. Um, it helped me, you know, just kind of get out of my head and, um, you know, not feel quite so crummy or whatever. And, um, but, you know, I was still feeling pretty awful and, you know, I was still feeling those, those, um, emotions of, you know, grief and depression. And I just really wasn't sure if I was gonna be able to shake this, but I, you know, was trying to do it. Um, also because I was in grad school and had no health insurance. Um, the medication I was taking, uh, was a brand name and it was costing me, I think at that time, uh, probably about 80 bucks a month or something. I mean, it was really expensive. And again, when you're making like 12,000 a year, yeah, that's what I was making. Um, back then it was insane. Um, you know, that's, that's a challenge. Um, since then I have switched over to, um, a generic, which treats me just fine. Thank you. Um, but anyway, let's get back to that story. So here I am. I'm tapered. I'm feeling like crap. I'm trying to run all the time, you know, or as much as I can. We had a um, in my graduate program, uh, or at least among the other graduate students, not necessarily in my program, but we, we had this this tradition of going to um, this bar restaurant on Friday nights and just kind of gathering and hanging out. You know, we called it a social. Um, you know, and a lot of times over the course of an evening, I, I would, you know, have a couple of glasses of wine with my dinner. Um, so it wasn't like I was, you know, drunk or anything like that. Um, but, uh, anyway, so that this, on this particular evening, um, I, uh, I got home and I, uh, called my, uh, okay. So, oh God, this is so embarrassing. Um, so I had a, here's the thing. Okay. When you're 40 and you're in graduate school and everybody else around you is in their twenties, it's very hard. It's hard to date. It's hard to do, you know, feel like a, a you know, a, a normal person. Um, I call it sitting at the kids table. And, uh, so I had developed a you know pseudo relationship with this guy, uh, who, who was also a fellow graduate student in a different program. And, um, was about 15 years younger than me so hey you go girl um but it was not like a normal relationship it was like a hookup thing so anyway uh called this guy and i um you know said hey you want to come over and he's like i don't think so and, and i was just like gosh darn it you know I'm like i'm just really feeling bad Da-da-da-da. and i don't know i can't really remember the entire conversation but and then he told me that he would marry my then best friend uh who was also in grad school at the time uh and a little more age appropriate for him and who had never shown any sort of interest in this guy mind you um but he said he would probably marry her tomorrow if he could and i don't know for some reason in my adult state you know just feeling so down and so upset you know and just you know just vulnerable and i um I grabbed a knife from the uh, dish rack and I drew it across my arm. And um, I think it was just more of like a reaction that I, I just, you know, it was pain. I was just like, Oh, I'm going to, you know, cut my arm. You know, I wasn't really trying to kill myself. Cause I, you know, I don't think I'd know how to do that if I wanted to. And I didn't, I really didn't, but I was just so angry and hurt and just needed to kind of let that out. And, um, but the problem was, is that, I looked down and there were, uh, tendons coming out and lots of blood and I, I think I passed out and somehow or another, he called 911 and, um, I don't know, and mind you, this is probably about 11 o'clock on a Friday night, 12, I don't know, Saturday morning and, uh, and I, <laughs> meanwhile, I'm running around the house, holding my arm up because I'm like, I don't want to bleed to death. I want to live. I don't want to die. Oh my God. You know? And so, you know, I had enough sense to, you know, put on, you know, at least something, you know, that wasn't like my night clothes or whatever. And, uh, you know, and I'm running around the house, holding my arm up and, you know, trying to stop the bleeding and all this. And, um, and I went out on the, uh, and, and then the 911 people call me back and they're like, you know, are you, you know, what's going on? And I'm like, look, I'm fine. I said, I just need to be back on my medication. This was, you know, an accident. It's, you know, no one's fault. It's just, you know, I, you know, in my mind, I just need to be back on that medication. And so, um, anyway, but the ambulance showed up and <laughs> here's the other funny part. Um, these guys you know i see this ambulance parked out in front of my apartment and uh and then in the darkness i could see just about i don't know a little ways down the street these you know two medics kind of looking around for a street address or whatever and i'm like hey i think you're looking for me (laughs) and they're like oh my god yeah and so i'm like look dudes i really am not trying to kill myself and it, it was just a bad reaction to something, you know, I acted out about something. It's a stupid mistake. I really just, you know, and that's what I kept reiterating. And so obviously because my arm was a mess, um, you know, they had to take me to the ER and, uh, spent most of the night in the ER and, uh, finally saw this doctor, this young guy, um, I think he was from Tennessee. I think he was kind of a new doctor and he, patched up my arm and um i said you know and again i told him i'm like look i just i know what i need and you know this is you know i'm not trying to harm myself honestly it's it's just or anybody else for that matter <laughs> it was just a a reaction not a very uh, smart one but you know that's hey that was that was my situation but and he said well you know and, and at this time in florida they had something called the baker act where you know, if somebody deems, you know, like a law enforcement or doctors or whatever deem that you might be a threat to yourself or somebody else that they will, um, put you in the you know, mental unit, um, you know, for a little period of time, I guess sort of to cool off and make sure that you really are going to be okay. And I was like, okay, that's fine. And he's like, the other thing too, he's like, you can always revoke that, you know, once you get there. And if you feel like you don't really want to be there, then you can just walk away, which was a lie. Um, and of course, in my mind, I'm picturing, um, you know, going upstairs of this hospital, you know, and hanging out somewhere. You know, I mean, I had no idea what was going on. And also during this time, I was calling the guy and just, you know, again, how stupid am I? Apologizing and all this. Of course, he wouldn't answer the phone. And um, and I called my my friend, you know, uh, my best friend then, and you know, explained to her what had happened and. Uh, and told her that they were gonna, you know, <clears throat> and then it became abundantly clear that I was going to be taken somewhere and not just <laughs> a different building. And so I had to persuade the, um, the guard at the ER. I'm like, okay, look, I said, my best friend's gonna come by and she's, uh, I need you to get the key to, you know, give her the key to my house or my apartment because I need somebody to feed my cats. Okay. So, I mean, this is how lucid I was. So it wasn't like I was, you know, you know, off in some, you know, other place. And, and, um, and he's like, okay, I'm not really supposed to, but you know, thank God he did. And, um, and so then I just remember it was like, you know, seven o'clock on a Sunday, Saturday morning. And I'm sitting in the back of this van and these guys are driving me out to this mental hospital. And I'm just like, oh my God, this is crazy. And so I got in there and I uh, got evaluated. And um, and of course, I'd been up for a long, long time. And I was really tired. But they're like, you can't just sleep. You know, you can't just sleep all day. You know, you're going to have to participate and do all this sort of thing. And I'm just like, oh, my God. I remember they took my, I don't even know how I had it, but I think probably because my friend brought it to me later. But I just remember having to take the the contact lens solution and give it to this uh, male nurse named Daryl, um, big black guy. And, um, he, uh, I had to like ask him for, you know, all of my toiletries or anything. I don't know why they thought I was going to like do something, but I was assigned to this room with this uh, young girl, you know, she was probably like 21 and I think she had tried to you know, kill herself and, um, and it was just a, it was just such a surreal experience i mean i feel like you know i was in like one over the cuckoo's nest, or even one flew over the cuckoo's nest because it was like i felt like i was like the most normal person in there and i can remember at one point telling daryl i'm like daryl i'm a grad student i teach at university of florida and i also teach you know spinning classes at this gym he's like yeah right and i just looked at him and he's like oh you really do and i'm just like good god you know so But um, it was the thing that one of the other things that struck me about this experience was that there was a lot of young people in there and there were a lot of young people who were, had been there like multiple times, like they kind of enjoyed it. You know, sometimes you hear this about people in prison, you know, like that or jail, you know, like, well, we get three hots on a cot. I'm not really sure, but some of these kids were telling me, you know, that this was like their 10th time in there. And I'm like, Oh my God. And this other young guy that I'd met, they had to move his bed out into the atrium, um, because he was trying to slit his wrists with a uh, piece of paper, (sighs) you know? So, I mean, it was, it was nuts. And I can just also remember hearing like early in the morning, like there were these shufflers and you'd hear the sounds of these shuffling feet up and down the hallway. And, uh, and there were people in there with like schizophrenia and all kinds of crazy stuff. You know, I mean, it was, I mean, again, I felt like I was the most, I mean, again, I was not trying to judge people, but I felt like I was probably, you know, one of the more more lucid patients in this place. And, uh, it was, it was just you know, crazy. And, And, you know, and I tried to interact with as many people as I could because it finally occurred to me that this is probably, um, how i'm going to be able to get out because they told me i had to stay over the whole weekend and i um my i'm sorry this is kind of all over the place but um my friend i asked her to bring my grading (laughs) so i could finish grading and um and then she and uh, i asked her to bring my thesis partner uh, jonathan uh, cause he didn't have a car or he didn't drive. And, um, I asked her if she could bring him over, you know, to the hospital so we could talk, you know, cause he was, he was a very dear friend to me. And, um, and so she did. And then on that, um, I guess it was that Saturday evening, I was supposed to have dinner with a couple of, um, friends that I had met through spinning class and, um, and I was supposed to meet them at this you know, restaurant and I'm just like, oh shoot, what am I going to do? And so i called the restaurant and i'm like look i mean of course i didn't tell them you know <laughs> the, the, the person who answered the phone what was going on i'm like i'm looking for these two people i described them and they're like oh they're right here thank god and so i got on the phone with them and i explained what happened and you know it was very embarrassing and emotional and thank god they were really super cool about it and, and i was just like thank god i didn't have to you know stand them up or anything and the next day they actually showed up um to visit me which i thought was really super cool because i mean they were pretty good acquaintances but they weren't really friends you know so um you know and it's not every day you want to go you know visit somebody you know in a mental hospital you know um but anyway um yeah so we would have group meetings like a couple of times a day i can remember we <laughs> there was this guy in a wheelchair with a louisiana accent and he um I guess he was like a group leader. I forget how he ended up in a wheelchair, but it was like an accident or something. And but he was super cool, and uh, he was leading the group that day. And um, we were <laughs> we were playing states and capitals. Yes, I swear to God. Um, and he's like, "All right, come on, college, come on, you can do this." You know? <laughs> I was laughing, you know? <laughs> and um, and I mean, I remember you know engaging with people and. I was even doing puzzles with this one woman who was clearly out of her mind. And, um, you know, again, it was harrowing, it was, you know, terrifying and it was embarrassing. I mean, I, you know, got in touch with my professors and, you know, without telling them too much about what had happened, I, I just said, look, I said, you know, I was out all weekend and, you know, I had an accident and, you know, I need to, um, I'm gonna have to have surgery on my arm. and and, you know, I just kind of was asking for a little bit of leniency or understanding, which they were very cool about. Also, because I was a non-traditional student. And so, you know, <laughs> when you got somebody who's like almost their peer, you know, asking for leniency, um, I'm still very grateful to them for doing that. And, um, but um, I'm trying to think what other kind of experiences I had in that crazy place. Um yeah, it was just weird oh yeah and i tried to i told the doctor i said well the the doctor at the er said i could get out and he's like no you have to stay here for 48 hours at least and i'm just like oh my god this is awful and so i you know like i said i kind of figured it out that i would you know that in order to get out you don't just go sleep in your room all day you get out and you're engaging with people even though you know this is just you know probably the weirdest thing that ever happened to me um the hardest thing for me, though, was, was um, I knew my sister was out of town. She lives in Ohio. And she was down in Dallas uh, visiting a friend of hers. And I didn't want to call her while I, you know, while I was there or while she was out of town because I didn't want her to worry because my sister's a warrior. Um, and so I waited until that Sunday to call. And they have, like, a pay phone in this place. And so like standing in the, you know, the atrium with all these people around me, you know, making this very personal, you know, phone call to my sister. And, um, I wanted to wait until she was home with her husband because I didn't want her to freak out completely, you know? And of course I knew she would, but, um, and that was a very emotional phone call. And I just, you know, I told her, I'm like, look, don't worry. I'm fine. It's okay. It's just, I didn't want to tell you until I knew you were home because I felt like, that was the right thing to do. And again, I was trying to put everybody else ahead of me, uh, for better or worse. I mean, I don't know, maybe that's just who I am. Maybe I'm just the super polite person. Um, I don't know. But I I did get out on that Monday morning, and thank God my friend came and picked me up, um, you know, and then, um, you know, eventually, you know, kind of, I don't to say patch things up, but, you know, the things, you know, we had some long talks with the guy and uh, that's a stupid thing, but that was like a self-esteem problem, I think on my part. Cause I mean, it was, it was just very hard being 40 in grad school. And, um, by the, when I was an undergraduate 20 years earlier, you know, people dated, people asked each other out. It wasn't like this thing, you know, the culture had shifted in such a way. And this is again, 20 years ago, my God, Um, where people, you know, I learned that people were hanging out and hooking up and, you know, people were having booty calls and I, you know, had to adapt or not do anything. And so I adapted and, um, you know, yeah, that, that was, it was a pretty bad relationship. I mean, he's all right. I mean, we haven't really talked in years, but, you know, um, I think he still feels bad about it or maybe he did. I don't know. I haven't talked to him, so who knows, but Nonetheless, I think there's something about that experience that I carry with me when I do ultras, um, you know, just trying to think of how you're going to get through something that's really, really hard. Um, and, and, you know, just try to visualize how you're going to get out of it and, you know, or how you're going to get through it. And I can't say, I always tap into that, but, um, it is something that I think is worthwhile You know, to bring up. Um, again, it's, this is incredibly embarrassing and probably a little too personal, um, that I probably should not be sharing, but I feel like, well, you know, maybe it'll help some other people, um, or maybe somebody else can relate. Um, you know, again, I think, you know, as a woman, you know, um, of a certain age, I, I do still suffer from self-esteem problems. I know that sounds ridiculous because I always seem so confident, but, um, you know, I do, I still have lots of doubt and, uh And again, I feel like I can transfer some of that, you know, transfer some of that to, you know, the running community, because it's like, you know, taking on these really big races, um, can be overwhelming and and intimidating and, um, but you, you figure it out and you get through it and you just have to figure out how to cope. And so, um, yeah, just, this is sort of all over the map, so I apologize if it's just sort of woo uh, Did have surgery on my uh, arm. Um, you know, it's funny, to this day, I still cannot feel my index finger very well. Like I still, like I, I severed some tendons or something, or nerves, and uh, that, that's never gonna come back. And, um, you know, and I've got a pretty fun scar on my arm. Um, and every now and then it's funny, cause I'll talk to students and they'll be talking about their, you know, depression or, you know, whatever things that they've gone through. And if I feel comfortable enough, I'll show my arm and tell them my story, you know, and, and, and just be like, you know, I get it. I get it. Um, you know, again, in, in my case, I really wasn't trying to kill myself, but, um, but I was really, really down and, um, I got back on my medication and I f- still feel great. And I don't think, I think this is probably gonna be something in my doctor and I've talked about this. I think it's something, And I'm really glad I was on it during the, you know, the pandemic, because I feel like, um, you still hit your lows. You, you know, this isn't like you're taking a happy pill, like, Ooh, you know, it's just me, but it's just sort of like bubble wrap, you know, for your emotions. So it sort of helps cushion the blow of that crash. And, um, which is very, very helpful and useful. So, um, you know, for what it's worth, um, I hope this, this story, um, helps people or, you know, enlightens you to a little bit more of who I am and where I come from. Um, again, it, it's, it's, that's something I'm particularly proud of and, and it's hard because there's such a stigma about mental illness and, and, you know, depression and, you know, being on medication and all this kind of stuff that, you know, you, you don't really want to widely tell this story, um, for fear of being judged, but I'm kind of at this point now where I feel like with this podcast, um, this is who I am. This is where I came from. This is what I, you know, have gone through. And, um, and I felt like, you know, finally this might've been the time just to share this with you. So, um, that's all I've got for now. I'll see you next time.